Today, you're going to hear a story. Every day through this podcast, we offer the opportunity for a special guest to, among other things, answer this question for ministers of the gospel. Why keep going and not give up? It's a question that a lot of ministers deal with and are grappling with these days. Today, we're answering that question in story form. In fact, it's the closing illustration from a sermon that was preached by Scott Daniels, February 7th, 2021 in Idaho. He used the lectionary scriptures from Isaiah 40 and Mark chapter 1. And here's the hope. In the face of national crisis moments and unclear futures, there is the opportunity for God to transform us unlike any other time, such that we might look back on the days that we're living now and say, that these were some of the glory years of our spiritual development. And I thought that was a good answer for ministers of the gospel to not give up. I hope that you'll listen to the whole sermon. Links for that are provided in the explanation notes of this podcast. Why keep going and not give up? Because people need ministers to guide them through what might become some of the most transforming, glory-filled days of their Christian experience. I want to thank Dr. Scott Daniels for giving us permission to share this story. Enjoy this story of the feisty widow and Scott's daughter Sophie, currently a college freshman. And may your hearts be lifted and encouraged to keep going and not give up. I've been thinking a lot about uh, these last 12 months and about what we've experienced together and what we're continuing to experience together for who knows how long. And it got me thinking about um, a woman that I pastored in Pasadena. She's a woman in her 90s by the time I got there and she was feisty, about this tall. She She was an energizer bunny. But she was feisty, grit. And every year she would call the office about the beginning of December and she would call and say, Pastor Scott, it's December. And I knew what that meant. It meant that somewhere around the 10th, between the 10th and the 15th, my executive pastor, Scott, another Scott, Scott, the two Scots were being invited to come up to her house for lunch. And we would always do this in December and we would have this wonderful kind of lunch together and we'd have a long conversation. And almost every year the conversation went something like this. She would would rehearse the history she'd been a part of Pasadena first nearly her entire life. But she would start telling stories of her life and especially the challenges. She was a widow. The challenges that she and her husband faced as they were really young and early married and And as she and her family had faced, you know, this depression that had come through in World War II and all the challenges of all of that time period. And she would kind of tell stories about all the things that that they lacked and all of the resources they didn't have in those days. And she would talk about all the sacrifices that they had made. but, But what I learned was she would tell me that for a couple of reasons. One was because she was part of what Tom Brokaw kind of named and now has kind of been stuck with that generation. We think of them as what we kind of think of as the, the greatest generation. A generation that, if I could go back to my opening story, a generation that had grit. 
a generation that survived a whole lot of upheaval. And she kind of wanted to tell me that because I think she was a little worried about my generation, that we were a little soft and gritless and that I needed a little more grit in my life. But, but I also realized about the fourth or fifth lunch that we had together that she was reflecting with thanksgiving for those moments. Now, please don't misunderstand me. She was, she was reflecting on the incredible loss, people that she knew who'd been lost in the war, tremendous amount of grief that the community endured in those days, but she was reflecting on, on how those, that period drew them away from just an obsession with a lack of resource into a connectedness relatedly. And how rather than just constantly working to try to make things different, she would reflect on, and for her, those were the glory days of the church for her. Now, initially, I thought, she thought they were the glory days because we sang out of the hymnal. Or, or because we, we did things that she felt like had been lost, and she just wanted those back. But the more I thought about her stories, the more I listened, it wasn't that she missed the practices so much as she missed that those moments, that time had become a period of transformation for her and for that church and for that community. And in many ways, she was grieving the fact, and this sounds strange, that there had not been days since that had drawn the church into relationship with God in that kind of way or had transformed them in that kind of way. So I know this sounds strange because she was a woman with tremendous resource late in her life. And who was energetic. She's an energizer bunny, always kind of working and moving. But she kind of wished we'd have a good crisis. Not because she didn't want to worry about resource or wanted to work harder, but because of the gratitude for what had happened to her relationally and transformationally when God met her in that moment and day. Do you follow that? So the reason I've been thinking about that is because I've been thinking about um, what, will, what story will we someday tell? First of all, let me say, moments of crisis like this always bring about a recognition that for some people, futures are closed. Let me say this with boldness. God has a huge heart for closed futures. And moments like this don't affect everyone equally and they expose the ways in which for so many people there are things that possess and bind and keep the future from being open and we as God's people should absolutely be people who call for God to move and for us to lean in and open up those futures for people. But again, it's not just freedom from, but what is that freedom for? So if you'll forgive me for just a minute, I've been thinking about Sophie and about how someday I hope that she is a, I don't, I don't hope she's a 90-year-old widow, but I hope that someday she's a 90-year-old fireball who calls her pastor, whoever he or she may be, and makes them come to lunch with her in December, right? For her to tell 
stories of the glory days when, when her dad preached the best sermon she'd ever heard in her life. But I was thinking about her and her friends as kind of a group that typifies this day and this age where her senior year got messed up, her senior year of high school, and, and her freshman year has been weird. You got to spit in something twice a week and turn it in and quarantines and masks and social distancing and shifts in the cafeteria. But I hope someday when she is a 90-year-old fireball thinking about these days, that she will not remember them as a time where people panicked about resource and began to treat each other as resource and began to think about experiences that, like, as a parent, experiences that I know she's missing, that I wish she could live into because they're the kind of experiences I had and I feel like those are being robbed from her and frankly, you're the one robbing her of them. or where she lived in a community that was like so obsessed with freedom from that they've forgotten that freedom from something is actually freedom for the concern and care of your neighbor. And I especially hope that she will have stories to tell not about a dad who who burned himself out trying to keep all the juggling apparatus in the air, innovating in a time of panic. But that she was part of a people who learned how to lean into each other relationally and into God relationally and found not just strength to innovate, but found a God who was working transformation. I hope there's not another crisis like this in what I hope is her long life. But I do hope that the God who is with us and understands how tired we are and gives strength to us when we need it is drawing us to him and to each other relationally in this time. And it's changing us so that when the future is open for us, it's not open for us just simply to be free for self, but it's open for us to have been transformed into something that resonates with the glory of God and all people see it together.